Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of Sound of Imagery with Lily and Greg. Welcome. Hello. How's your week been? Hello. Uh, busy, busy, yeah? busy, busy with uh, clients and lots of writing and yeah, it's been good. That's, that, that has been good. And Lee, how about yourself? You've, you've uh, no doubt picked up a camera at least once this week. Um. Uh, Actually, yes, but only casually. I've I've been teaching this week, so. Um, oh, what have you been teaching? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I this is this is a, a an annual gig once a year. I work with a, a high school media class where the students go out and for for their midterm project or whatever they have to go and each one has to do a film, and so they they, you know, they do a documentary or artistic or comedy drama whatever. Um, so they all go out and film and then produce a film, and they initially brought me in to consult with the kids on a technical level like oh how do I fix the exposure on this how do I fix the sound on that and that kind of stuff and I and I do do a fair bit of that but it actually it's actually turned into more of a creative element as well in terms of you know while I'm discussing them like well do you see how if we take shot number three and make a shot number seven in the scene the scene makes a lot more sense and and sort of discussing them the sort of like the visual literacy of their films. And I, I actually really, really enjoy that because when you do the stuff just day in, day out, you don't realize how much stuff you actually know. Mm. Like you kind of like you just do it and you don't really consciously think about it. But when you consciously think about the visual literacy of your art, God, I sound like such a wanker. Um, <laughs> you sound like a lecturer. <laughs> well, it's it, good though. But, but, it's but, good. You know, but yeah. it's true. I know what you mean. Like when you actually stop and think about it and you go, you know, th this is going to help the story along. It, it, it's actually quite cool. And I get to see mm. some, I mean, some really good stuff when I want to show people what not to do. Uh, but I also get to see some really amazing creative stuff. And I've actually picked up about three or four assistants over the years from students that I've worked with. And then they've gone out off to film school. And sort of when they get to film school, I'm like, hey, if you ever want to come and be mentored or if you want to come on a couple of couple of shoots and stuff, you can come along. That's, That's great. very yeah. cool. That is really cool. And, and Greg, I know you've uh, sort of been busy writing a lot this week for various websites. You're, you're Mr. I 99. Have. I call you Mr. 99 because you, you're like, you rate 99% on Grammarly. Uh, you're that high. So I, I call you Mr. 99. So what did you see this week that sort of piqued your interest? Uh, one thing that I noticed, uh, and it made me think a little bit more about it, Canon recently announced a... Uh, only like in the last few days, I think the uh, the new RF uh, fourteen to thirty five millimeter f four, um, and apparently it's optically great. Um, autofocus is fantastic, but Canon a little while ago released the RF fifteen to thirty five millimeter. However, it was an f two point eight. Now, obviously, they're very different lenses, but it kind of made me think about the discussion and the arguments around: is there a true benefit? in companies like Canon and Fuji have done the same with some of their primes releasing almost optically similar lenses, just slightly different aperture speeds and obviously a, a big difference in price. You know, mm. I think it's great um, that companies bring out, let's say budget friendly versions of their lenses. Fujifilm did that with their 23 millimeter, their 16 millimeter, um, the 35 millimeter, yeah, 1.4 to f2. Yeah, they, yeah, mm. yeah, they brought out the f2 range and the 50 millimeter also, which um, I guess was a cheaper version of the the two 56s. Um, mm. But I just find it really interesting that companies will go to the trouble and the expense and and kind of 
run a gamble on that people are going to want to buy basically the same lens uh, that they've already kind of mm. invested in. I know, um, I know. Coming I just from it was the, a worthy discussion. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right there. I, I know, coming from a wholesaler point of view, I, I've worked for Fujifilm, as you know. Um, the, you know, the Japanese like to hit every price point, and I'm sure it's the same with Apple products, Lee. Would you Would you agree? No, no. Oh, they're no, just everything price, Apple is expensive. They are. They are. I looked at a yeah, new like, iPhone. Oh my god. Well, you know, it's and 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 again, I'm going to sound like one of those pretentious people, but you know, I am, so I wear it. Um, is that <laughs> Apple would say that they want to make the best products for the best price, and if they can't, and if having to hit a price point would mean making the product not as good as they want it to be, they're like, well, we're just not going to sell something at that price because to make it that cheap, we'd have to make it not as good as we want it to be. Mm, you're right. So they're not prepared to compromise quality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, that's, that's the marketing spiel. And, and, and I would say overall that is true and that is accurate. There have been some instances where you're like, what were you thinking? Um, but overall, mm. yeah, I, I, I would say Apple is focused on making really good products. They charge accordingly. Um, and yeah, like they don't have a $500 laptop. And that's because the way they look at it and they go, in order for us to make a $500 laptop, it wouldn't be as good as we want it to be. That's fair enough. See, I think the the, the difference with with Canon and Fuji, you know, Fujifilm bringing out those F2 variants, they were very small, they were very compact, they were going for lenses that looked really good with some, with even with their smaller bodies. Um, But also they were replacing very aging lenses, lenses that had slow autofocus performance, optically brilliant lenses in in the first generation. But when they brought out the F2 range, they were considerably like a number of years old. They were dating back to 2015, if not earlier. Mm. Whereas mm. this Canon RF uh, drop with the new F4 version, um, it's only been about a year apart. And it's just interesting mm. to see Canon bank on, let's release the exact same, basically the exact same focal range, exact same optical performance, but we'll make it, more, we'll make it less expensive. Yeah, I remember um, when I was and a I student. wonder if it is a price yeah. point thing. Yeah, I remember when I was a student, Greg. Sorry to interrupt there. Uh, oh, you're right. I was, I was totally into bird photography, and I, I still am. I'd love to go out, and I've got a, a lake near us, and we can go and photograph. But there's no way in hell I could afford a 7200 2.8L ISUSM lens. You know, yeah. I was a cheap ass, so I went and got the F4. And, you know, that served me well. And there was a time when I sold it, and I did upgrade. I got a... I think it was a 120 to 300 2.8 Sigma um, because that posed to be in my price range. And at the end of the day, you do shop on your price. You know, sometimes it's features, sometimes it's this, but at the end of the day, how much money do you have in your pocket? I, I, yeah. I mean, I agree. I think, I think, you know, as much as I'm, I'm the Apple fanboy, and, but you know, I was, I was just saying, you know, Apple don't make a $500 laptop, but there's a lots of people who need a $500 laptop. You know, mm. so I, I think it's it's important. It's it's almost imperative that the more brand conscious, not brand, sorry, the more budget conscious products exist, because as you say, Lee, back in those days, you know, you would have loved to have had the fancier one, but you just couldn't afford it. Mm. Um, Greg, do you think it could be one of those things where they're sort of looking at it and going, well, if someone's going to eat our lunch, it may as well be us, in the sense of. You know, we, we, we know that we make this really amazing, more expensive version, 
but we think someone's going to go out and make a generic cheaper version and not as many people are going to buy the expensive version. So if, if someone's going to make the cheaper version, it may as well be us as opposed to a Tamron or a Sigma or whoever. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, is it, there's a term something around cannibalizing your own customer base or something around cannibalizing yeah. your own products, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it is that I think, um, you know, and, and Canon and obviously uh, Nikon uh, relatively late to the mirrorless market compared to say Fuji and, and Sony and obviously there's micro four thirds crowd. Um, and I think they're trying to maybe tick as many boxes as quickly as they can, which is why this lens has come out so quickly after the original 2.8 version. Mm. Um, I think they're just trying to kind of provide options and choices, get people onto the Canon brand of mirrorless as soon as possible. Mm. I'm actually curious. I want to spin this topic a little bit because I want to, I want to switch it over because right to repair, that's something that's been peaking around uh, and hitting the, uh, YouTube. I know, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Lewis Rossman on YouTube. Right to repair is a very interesting subject. And Steve Wozniak, uh, the Apple genius that he is. It was. He has actually sparked up a YouTube uh, debate and also followed Lewis Rossman last night on his YouTube channel. And he's bought into this thing about, okay, we need to bring back right to repair. We need little repair shops being able to fix people's expensive MacBooks and products and not, not, you know, be held hostage to the, to the, um, the manufacturer. And he said, one thing that really struck me, he said, who actually owns the computer that you're using? Is it you or is it the, or is it Apple or the, com- the company? And that's exactly the case with cameras, right? Who owns that camera if something goes wrong? So, Lee, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on right for repair? I have, um, I'm going to be a bit of an apologist, but I, I have sort of a, a mixed view in terms of, it depends on the product. And, and, and here's my justification, because Apple's justification as to why their products are either very, very difficult to repair or why you have to go to an authorized service provider as opposed to just going to you know the local shop in the 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 shop in the middle of the hall at your local um shopping the kiosk. Where they fix phones yeah the little kiosks yeah. we, we all have them um is a security thing and and from a security point of view i agree so basically if you have if it's a phone or a computer something that has a fingerprint scanner or a face scanner or something that's you know secure from a security point of view they don't want any person to willy-nilly fuff about with that because potentially they could crack that and break it and then get into your bank accounts and all that other stuff so if it's a device that involves getting online and has um like biosecurity stuff built in then I agree with the Apple side of the argument where you shouldn't be able to just have anyone futz with it. Other than that, well, anyone should be able to do whatever the hell they like because you own the device. So if you mm. want you know, this person to fix it, take it to fix it. I will though put the little caveat in there again is if there is nothing that is truer in life as, as death and taxes, it's also that you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, if some, if, 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 if if the one person is charging you $500 to fix something and someone is charging you $100 to fix something, it could be that the person who's charging $500 is way overcharging and they're overcharging because they can. 
entirely possible, but it's also possible that the person charging you $100 to fix it is charging $100 because they don't know what the hell they're doing and they're using parts made out of, you know, chewing gum and hope. So I think if we go back to like Lee's $500 computer example, I would be happy for anyone to repair that because if they stuff it up, well, it's $500. Yeah. But my, you know, three and a half, four thousand dollars iMac, I'm not taking that to the kiosk at, you know, Pran Central. Um, Interesting you say that. Interesting you say that because I know from the photography point of view, back in the day, you know, I used to be a wedding photographer and I was, I was taking this photo of this couple that was at the end of the jetty and I had my camera on a tripod and lo and behold, I went and talked to the couple and the tripod was behind me and the wind blew it over and it smashed the camera and the lens straight onto the jetty and snapped my uh, Canon EF 16-35 to 2.8 L series in half. And as you know, the, the look on the bride and groom were shocked <laughs> and I was just crying. But um, that aside... I went home, tail between the legs, and I was like, okay, I can get this fixed. No worries. Uh, I could do it myself. So I ring up Canon and say, um, do you have a spare parts manual for this lens? Oh, no, we can't give that to you. What do you mean? No, I can't have it. It's only for um, registered repair agents. I'm like, okay, that sucks. So anyway, somehow I managed to get one being in the industry, and it was a schematic, you know, those blow-up diagrams of every single p- single part and the the numbers. So I thought, you know what? It's actually just a metal bracket that I need for this thing. It's not nothing electronic. So I'm just going to get the part. I'm going to take it to a machinist and get the part made up. So I did. I got the uh, plastic bits that were, I replaced them. They were holding four screws and made them in uh, like aluminum. And they machined it up for me and put it together. And I sold the lens and it worked even better than the original. I have a cancel. That's what they're really worried about. <laughs> well, I, I, they're worried I, I, about you I, making I, a better product. I, ha- I, have, yeah. a ca- I, I have a counterpoint, and, and okay. I'm sure we've seen the, this example online as well. Let's say, for example, I wanted to do the exact same things, and, and, and Canon or whoever made that schematic freely available. So they've got it on their website. I can go to their website and download it from their website. So I go ahead and download it from their website, and I completely stuff it up. I do something wrong. Um, and it's completely my fault, but being someone on the internet, I refuse to accept responsibility for anything that I've done. And I want to blame someone else. I know I'm sounding like a grumpy old man, but it doesn't do sound like a boomer. And so what happens then is I then go, Canon stuffed up my lens and they go, well, hang on. You, you're the one who tried to fix your lens and you stuffed it up. And I go, well, if you didn't make that schematic freely available, I wouldn't been able to get hold of it and I wouldn't have tried to fix it and stuff it up. So it's all your fault. So So I can see, yeah, yeah. I can Mm. see where I, again, it does. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm because that's like a Texan saying you made guns available and that's why the mass shooting happened. Yeah, but that's why you need blockchain. That's that you need. That's why you need blockchain. I'm sure no one. I'm sure no one's made that argument. (laughs) We need blockchain (laughs) so you can actually track the lens from its history, where it was made, where it was purchased, who owns it, and then where it was repaired. So Canon could go on the blockchain, see exactly the serial number by lens, and go, "Hey, it actually didn't come back to us. You lied to us." And here's the results, everyone on the internet. You can go and look at the blockchain and see exactly where where it is and how it ventured through the universe. Yeah. Well, you see, and again, you, you, you had a good, you had a happy ending to your story, but what if one of those plastic things that you got the guy to make for you was slightly off and stuffed up the lens? Yeah. That'd be on me. Wouldn't it? 
Yeah. Cause it was yeah. just, and, and literally it was a one week out of warranty. It's that old story. That's you why, know, that's, so, that's why you have insurance. I did have insurance, but it didn't cover that. Anyway, let's not yeah. go there. That was a long let's time let's, ago. Let's not go there. So Lee, what's piqued your interest this week? Um, this week's actually been a week of updates. So mm. I haven't gone into heavy detail, but there was an update uh, for the Sony Vegas. Uh, where they released a step-by-step -step guide to control it wirelessly. Um, I don't often get to play with toys that expensive, but when I do, it means I can do it with my phone. So cool. Um, and there was an update to the DJI gimbals, um, mm. the, R, the, the RS2 and the RSC2 that added more camera compatibility. So, you know, you can sort of use the controls on the gimbal to stop and start the camera and, and, and that sort of stuff and sort of set the autofocus and things. So always nice when, um, when there's new compatibility and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's, um, that's okay. most of the, the stuff that I was interested in. I think in. that's a really good point, Lee, about products being made kind of a bit more future-proof with mm -hmm. firmware updates. Um, this week I've been writing an article about some Atmos uh, monitors and recording monitors. And uh, I was interested to see that whilst at the moment one of them supports some uh, kind of mainstream mirrorless consumer level cameras, like enthusiast level, but consumer cameras, that they have plans to make more and more available as time goes. It's not like this product will only support what we currently, what's currently available. And if new cameras come out or there's a need for new cameras to have it, well, you'll just have to buy the next model. Mm. I like that whole, that, that kind of, I don't know. It's it's kind of a way for those companies to give back a bit. Well, that it's 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 funny you mention that as a particular example because Atomus, up until I don't know about six months ago, not even, um, have been fantastic in the sense that they have been releasing you know software updates and things for their products for free for ages um, mm. a little bit off on some products with some products they promise things and then it takes a year or two to actually arrive and one or two things on their high end stuff just never turns up but in the, the last six yeah. months they've started charging for some not all the updates but for mm. some of the updates for particular functions so for example i use all the atomus stuff i love it um, but for the ninja 5 in order to so it will capture prores raw over hdmi but in order to capture ProRes RAW over HDI, which is a, a feature that we've been asking for for literally years, um, mm. they released the function, but it's a $100 US paid upgrade. Um, is that the one where it shows the QR code on the screen and you've got to scan it, go in and pay for the account for it to be unlocked? Yeah, I can't remember how I did it. it, it, it I actually, I found it, I found it quite cumbersome because i think they've used mm. i think they've changed it but when i did it they were using some sort of token system or like yeah. it, it took me like it took me half a day and a couple of phone calls to people that i know at adam is going how the hell do i do this yeah well, interesting you say that lee i mean for the the imaging side of you know what we do panasonic's notorious for this they they i'm mean, calling them out here okay uh they they make you pay for firmware updates you actually buy them in a physical box, mm. buy them Sony, online Sony, and it comes. Yeah. yeah and Sony as well. Well, like, yeah. So what, on the high end, the ones, they, yeah. Yeah. You got to buy the license. Well, well, again, and I'm always the apologist, but I, I like to think of myself as empathetic. I try and see things from both sides of the, of, of, of the corner. So both sides of the corner, that makes no sense. So <laughs> it's a round room. The, 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 the other, yeah, the other side of the other side of that argument, you know, Sony would say, um, well, 
we don't want to charge not everyone uses the features that we're selling to you in this firmware update so we in fact, it's just bad marketing they shouldn't call it a firmware update they call it they should call it a feature update yeah so you're firmware right. updates yeah. are free because that's yep. like bug fixes and things like that but a feature update you pay for features and they could go well not everyone needs to capture prores or over sdi and so we didn't want to we wanted to make the product two thousand dollars we didn't want to make it twenty two hundred dollars for everyone so it's two thousand dollars for everyone but for those who need that extra feature you can pay more but we didn't want to charge everyone for a feature that not everyone was using so you know panasonic and sony that they could make that side of the argument i think you're right there lee let's let's get it renamed it's a feature yeah, update yeah, 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 that's what it should be. Avoids confusion. Talking about avoiding confusion. So, so, Sony and Panasonic, Ooh. my marketing check is in the mail. Okay, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I was going to say, talking about confusion, uh, for those in the States these um, this last week, especially the film lovers, you know, you see the hashtag films not dead. Well, can I say that it, it's dying slowly? Uh, the EPA. A poisonous death. A poisonous death, yes. Due to some phosphate found in... Uh, Fuji, Fuji Chrome Velvia 100 professional films, it's no longer being shipped to the States. My Mind violin you, is the, playing. The, the phosphate level is 0.0003% of PIP. That's all it is of PIP. Yeah, of PIP, which is a three to one. Three to one is present with the layers of Fuji Chrome Velvia 100 professional films. And then they say Fujifilm believes that this trace amount of PIP. In the Fujichrome Velvia 100 professional films, poses no risk to the environment. So just don't go licking your film. So let me let me see if I've got this right. Yeah. So the US has decided that a particular type of film and Kinder surprises are too dangerous. Oh really, Kinder? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, Kinder yeah, surprises. Yeah. Kinder surprises. Apparently, Kinder surprises because it's got pasteurized milk. It doesn't have pasteurized milk. I can't remember which one it is. But wow. Kinder surprises, you you can't get them in the US. Wow. You can walk into a gun store at 15 and buy an assault rifle. Just, just, don't, <laughs> just don't load it with chocolate or eggs. Wow. That's my second so, gun reference. It is. It is. You're a gun. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. terrible. With those, that's it. So I think for those film lovers, look, I mean, Velvia 50 is still available. So for them, if they want some intense saturation and vivid color, they can still shoot that, right? Now, let's let's be honest. For those, and, and I'm going to make so many enemies now. It's going to be awesome. For those film lovers, just buy a Fuji XC3 and put a filter on it. Yeah, <laughs> a film simulation. Yeah, because yeah, that's the same. Yeah, just, 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 just buy a film Let's put exactly Vel- the same. Put Velvia and shoot exactly JP. The same. Yeah. Do you know? Um, actually, although, I did, I, I did that, say we, that we, we should stock up. We should stock up on. We should run a little yeah. black market, a little dark web market for the states on Velvia <laughs> Underground. That's it. You know. When I was writing for Fujifilm at one stage, I wrote the exact same thing that you said there, Lee. And uh, the comments and the hate mail that I got in my email after oh, I, I can't posted imagine. it. <laughs> yeah, and it was a whole uh, "Films Not Dead" uh, crowd. So that was that was interesting. And I was like, "Yeah, I didn't actually mean that." But if you want to think that way, then it's either you know you're on that side or on this side. There's no love there. What do they call them? Snowflakes. Snowflakes. Where did Can that I say that come from? Sorry. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> they're delicate. I'm they're not delicate. They're unique and they're delicate. Oh, yeah, dear. I just made some enemies too. Talking about things delicate. Film. Yeah. What what's what's uh what's the most robust piece of equipment that you own, Lee? Oh, the most robust me? Um 
trying to think what's the most robust piece come back to me let greg say okay come up with something I'm, I'm yep. really, no hesitation fujifilm x70 all right you can you can what? hammer you can hammer nails with that thing really yeah, okay it's 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 uh yeah it's a tank mm. i'd say mine's in a fact Pelican i know case. um yeah for your phone well I, I did get one for my phone but yes i do have a um, a pelican case a rolling one uh and whenever uh, i travel uh the the camera goes in there uh especially if i'm over water because i'm notorious for dropping things like i dropped my phone yesterday anyway okay, sorry no, Lee? i've got one so yeah? this is this is a thing called an insta mic for obviously we're doing audio not video so i'll try and describe it it's about it's a microphone that's about the size of your thumb so it's about like a matchbox size yeah it's oh, smaller than that um but it is a stereo waterproof shockproof microphone so it is designed for getting ambient sound so if you wanted to stick this to the bottom of a motorcycle or if you wanted to stick it on the side of a speedboat or something like that um that's what this mic is for but it's fantastic. why would you stick it on the side of a speedboat lee to record the sound of a speedboat why would you record the sound of a speedboat lee i have some very unique clients with some very unique needs wow special um, snowflakes but, but now well no like like particularly um like forgetting what's called foley uh which is like ambient sounds mm-hmm. um particularly like cars like i've stuck this onto the exhaust of various different cars to get like really good audio of the sound of the exhaust um, but also what you can use it for so it's got built-in um eight gigs of storage so you can just hit record and it just records internally wow that's Bluetooth. cool but it's got Bluetooth as well. So you can actually stream this to a smartphone as a little wireless lavalier mic. Now that's the, cool. the only thing is you, you can't monitor it. So if there's noise or clothing rustle or whatever, you can't monitor that. But other than that, I dropped it. It's fine. I've got it's rugged. Well, I just found out it's pretty darn rugged. <laughs> just um, roll over it as well with your chair. Yeah. Oh no, and it comes it comes oh. with various different like attaching things. And I'm gonna do this near the mic. I hope it's not too loud, but it comes with this this ridiculously powerful magnet, sort of like on two sides. So and so what you do oh. if you want to mount it, you just take the magnet apart, put the microphone like inside your shirt, put the other magnet on the outside of the shirt, and voila, I've got a little lav mic on my chest, wow. and you can barely see it, which is pretty wow. cool. So that is I've very always cool. I've always got two of these in my camera bag. Because there's so often that I go to a shoot where I don't think I'm going to need microphones because we're not doing interviews or anything. And then the client decides, oh, can we just interview this whatever? And why? Well, yes, we can. Because I have a microphone just in case. There you go. Interview well, you've got two. You've got two. Yeah. So you can do stereo, four, right? Actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's surround sound. You can do stereo with the boat. Yes. You can yes. put them all two over boats. the boat. Two boats. <laughs> Well, uh, on that note, gentlemen, I, I would like to say thank you very much for joining in and contributing to this this week's episode. It's been fabulous. Pleasure. Again. And no doubt we'll catch you next week for another episode of Sound of Imagery with Lee Lee and Greg. Catch you later. Bye-bye.